Hi again and welcome to Time for Cricket, Birthplace of the Ashes podcast. This week, episode three, we're back. It's great to have you on board and looks like we are getting closer and closer to being able to play some cricket, which is fantastic. News coming through from the government, numbers coming down. Looks like we can get outside. Looks like we can get some groups of people together. Uh, and everything looks towards us playing some cricket, hopefully by somewhere in mid-November. Training at this stage looks like we might even be able to get that started at the start of November. So it's extremely encouraging. We're looking forward to it. We can't wait. Champing at the bit, and it seems like we've got a lot of players that are really keen as well. Today's show, we're talking to Joel Muir, opening bowler for the first 11. He's going to talk to us about a few things about bowling and and his focus areas and and what makes him tick. We're going to be bringing up our facts from the ashes and having a little chat about those. We will also be talking to Daniel Kavanagh, our vice captain of our first 11 and also um, has a major role to play in the committee with all of the work that he's been doing with regards to our apparel and slack and social function. So we'll have a long chat about that. We've got tips for conditioning for training in terms of bowlers and batsmen and getting ready for the season. We're going to talk about just a little snippet about at-death bowling and the importance of being able to bowl in those final overs and do it well. Then, of course, we'll finish things off as per usual. We've got Pizza's jokes, Pizza's dad's jokes, which are seemingly one of the more popular things of the week. And a slightly new segment, we're moving away from the quiz and just going to start up our Riddle Me This. So chance for people to enter again into uh, and just be uh, involved. Looking forward to chatting to everyone. Looking forward to this. Have a great one. Thank you. Uh, we've got Joel Muir, um, who's chatting with us um, in the podcast today. Um, one of the best things about bringing the young players through is is certainly a player like Joel that um, I've had a lot of um, experiences with and have known him um, since he was pretty young. So Joel came to the club last year uh, from Ashfield and certainly had a had a major impact on the club right from the start. So Joel, thanks for thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Piz. Not a problem, mate. Um, firstly, I just wanted to start with last season. Like you came to the club, came to the club from Ashfield. Um, you know, you're looking to looking to improve your your bowling and that. You know, you had some really good mentors at Ashfield, but there was something about just coming to Rupo um, last season and and doing what you did. Um, do you want to talk about that? Tell us a bit about that. Um, so pretty much. Back at Ashfield, it wasn't like a there wasn't really much one-on-one coaching, which I felt like I needed to develop myself as a bowler. And knowing you and like since I think prep back at Kalara Primary, I I knew how you taught one-on-one, and I thought you've been here, there, and everywhere with your cricket. And you've developed players from nothing to something, and it just sort of clicked that if I wanted to go somewhere with my cricket potentially that Rupa was a place to do it at and getting in contact with you and you telling me what you were going to get from me 
sort of sold me on that very first phone call. I think it didn't take much, and from day one, I was hooked. And I'm glad I made that decision. Now, um, I'll just I'll just qualify this because there's a couple of little comments that you made in there that certainly you you'll vouch for the fact that no money has changed hands in some of the. Um, uh, in some uh, of the very rather polite and respectful comments you made about me, so I'm just clarifying that just for the just for the listeners. Um, no, look, look, I have known you since since you were in prep, and certainly I'll I'll just say to everyone that you know Joel's a kid that um, has shown a lot of passion for sport, but then seriously, I don't know, I don't know, I know a lot of muers in Sunbury, and I don't, and I'll honestly say this. Um, you won't find a muir in somebody that's not passionate about sport. It seems to be something that they just breed in the name. Um, so <clears throat> certainly when when Joel took some interest in in playing with us, that we were we were dead keen to get you, mate, and um, and certainly uh, hope that we've been able to provide for you, which has been great. So, um, mate, what are you looking forward to in terms of? Um, you know, in terms of this season? Um, I'm a bit like most people. I'm just looking forward to getting out and playing some cricket, really. Yeah, fair um, call. It's been a long wait. Obviously, not having the pre-season training has been tough, but I just can't wait to get out there and have a ball in hand, stand at the top of the mark and be ready to rip through the batsman. Yeah. Um, Joel, can I ask, just ask this because we are about this, you know, this podcast is about as as much as it's about the entertainment side of it um, and what a high level of entertainment I provide. Um, it's also about the coaching side of it that, that is very important in the upcoming season. What would be a key focus for you? What's something that you think about uh, when you're, I suppose, well, we'll start off with your training. And when you're bowling at training, what's one of your key focus areas for your bowling at training? Um, I think the big thing for me would just be bowling consistently. Like in my first 30 balls, I just want to bowl consistent, good line and length where the batsman can't get it away. And then from there, once I've hit my spot and I feel comfortable with my body and my run-up and everything is working well, and I'll start to build on myself and focus on really troubling the batsman to put me away even more with building up the pace, getting my extra bounce in there because I'm so tall and just really being consistent when I'm bowling to the batsman to really work the batsman as well. Yeah, and you certainly do that. I mean, especially in the nets. Um, I mean, you're pretty focused there. Um, on game day, on game day is a little bit different, obviously. Um, you're not yeah. bowling 30 or 40 consecutive balls. How how does your focus slightly change, and how do you how do you maintain how do you maintain the good line and length that you you seemingly bowl um, without effort um, week in week out? Um, basically, when I'm at the top of my mark, I'm thinking, how is the batsman going to put me away, and where if I like if I bowl in a certain spot, the batsman's going to hit me here. I try and avoid those spots. And I'll focus where I know the batsman can't get me away. And I'll focus on that one spot for two, three overs until I feel like I've troubled the batsman enough that they're going to play a loose or a rush shot. And that's when I strike. 
But, um, uh, just from, I mean, obviously from watching you up close and being in slips last week, well, I think one of your major strengths in terms of is, I think you, you, your big strength is your length. I think that, um, as you've said, with your height, being able to, and, and height, use of height as a bowler is, um, it's not just something that comes naturally to bowlers that can, that are tall. I've, I've known of I've known of a lot of tall bowlers that actually don't use their height the, the way that you do. And I think that one of your greatest strengths is the fact that you stay strong at the hips at the crease and then you're able to get you're able to get that length ball that that probably for a lot of other bowlers batsmen will be playing or trying to play off their front foot, but you force the bowler um, you force the sorry you force the batsman into into that kind of uncertain positioning of that half, you know, maybe it's a foot forward, maybe it's a foot back type yeah. position. And then seemingly you you either get a bit of off the seam, I've seen that, but you certainly get a little bit, I find that you get a little bit of uh, late swing that tends to be probably back into those right-handed batsmen, which is, um, I mean, obviously being a new ball bowler, you have the advantage there that the ball is going to swing regardless of, but I think I think it's the length that you put it at that certainly places that doubt in the batsman's mind. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a length that I know I personally struggle with, especially with some tall bowlers in GDCA in our level. And it's like as a low order batsman, it's not ideal when you get a bowler quite tall, where you're indecisive whether you should go on the front foot or the back foot, and you get caught in two minds really quickly. And that's something I really try to use to my advantage now, knowing that I can do that. Yeah, look, I, I think I think you've used that. I mean, that's certainly that's a major strength of yours with your bowling. So um, certainly that's something that we'll continue to work on, and and especially this year with one day cricket, um, being able to add to that. Certainly, that's you know that's the first stage of opening the bowling is 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 meeting that length. And then obviously there's a few other things that you know because of the nature of first of uh, one day cricket we'll have to work on um, this year um, that you're certainly capable of doing. So, but we're looking forward to the season, mate. So, right now we've talked about all the serious stuff. Now we call now let's have a little bit of a we'll have a little bit of a laugh. Alrighty. Now I've already thrown these questions by you because I because obviously we're working to a little bit of time here, so I trust that. You've had a little bit of a think about it. So the first question, so just four questions, four rather simple questions for you. First question, who is the club's serial pest? I would either say Jordan Curran. <laughs> yep. Or David McDonald. David, oh, geez, that's harsh. Harsh but fair. On, on game day. Yes. He is one of the most annoying people in the rooms ever. But <laughs> the music gets going, and he—he's like a—he's like a toy. He just doesn't stop. <laughs> Look, I'll have you know that I'll have you know that uh, David, or as I refer to him as Sir David, uh, may be coming, may be coming on the show next week. So, so we'll see, we'll see what might be coming back your way. But no, I like your answer. I like your honesty. No, that's important. Um, second question. If you could be any player at Rupo, who would you be? Or who would you like to be? Oh, 
probably he's this is gonna really gonna pump his tires up, but uh, oh. <laughs> he's double my age. Yeah, more, more than double my age, and he moves better than eighty percent of people at the club. And he is one of the has the most beautiful batting technique I've ever seen. Really? Okay. All right. All right. I'll take that on board. Uh, <laughs> we are. I am chatting to him later. So um, fortunately, the good thing is this is a podcast, not a radio station. So he doesn't get to listen to it beforehand, and and I won't. I won't pump him up anymore. He can wait and listen to it with the rest of us. All right. No, I've asked. Look, I've asked for honesty. So that's fair. That's fair. All right. Next question, mate. Question three. Who besides you? is the best bowler at the club? I'm not going to say you because I know that's what you want me to say. <laughs> but I'm yep. going to take a bit of a turn here and I'm going to say Ned Crotty. Ned Crotty, fair call. He's a good a bowler, young, isn't he? Young up-and-coming bowler. He has the potential to be something special. Yeah. yeah. Not being overly tall, he can still rip the ball down. Yep. And he bowls a mean bouncer to someone at his height. He skids them through too. He's um he's kind of I mean this year should be just made. He he should be made in the shade this year with with being able to skid that ball through and just bowl at the oh, death. Yeah. yeah. All right. And and the last question, mate. Um, and you certainly you're not allowed to choose yourself. Okay. Because I know that you would love to choose yourself on this one. You keep you you basically you tell me all the time how good a batsman you are. But who besides you is the best batsman at the club? Everyone's going to have you to say this, but I'm going to have to say you. Oh, see, I knew I'd get my name in there somewhere. I bowl to everyone in the nets, and you challenge me the most because you always find ways to put me away, and you know it pisses me off. <laughs> You can see in my face when I'm volunteering and that's I'm just determined to get you out or get you to play in this one and you never do and it pisses me off. <laughs> well, mate, look, no, I'll I'll take I'll, I'll take the compliment on board and we'll we'll continue to work on it, mate. You know what? You know what? Nothing's nothing's changed since you were about nine years old when you would bowl at me in the gym at school. So Yeah, um, you're still a bully. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, no, nah, look, I, I work hard on that. So well that's all good, mate. Hey, um Joel, mate, look, I'm I'm looking forward to facing you in the nets, and I know that you're looking forward to having a bowl this season, and we're all looking forward to playing some cricket, mate. So thanks for Bloody thanks for coming on, and no, um and look, mate, fingers crossed, we're playing some cricket in the next uh, few weeks. Fingers crossed. All right, mate. We'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. See ya. Cheers. Once again, we have our Ashes facts for this week. So I thought with this week we'd take it all the way back to the origins of the series. Back in the 1800s, and England and Australia began playing each other in the test matches in 1877. But it was in 1882, following England's loss to Australia at the Oval in London, the Sporting Times, a British sporting newspaper, published a satirical obituary to English cricket. The writer stated that the body will be cremated and the ashes taken to Australia. And when and when England set off for Australia for the 82-83 series, that's 1800s, their captain, Ivo Bly, 
announced that he was going to reclaim them. And that, of course, uh, then brought about that game that was played at Rupertswood. Oh, hi everyone. We are now speaking to Daniel Kavanagh, who is not only our our vice captain of the of the first eleven this year, and and quite an accomplished opening batsman, but he's also also got a, a hefty job to do on the on the committee side of things, and certainly has done a lot of work to date already on that. So, how are you going, DK? I'm very well, Keith. How are you? Yeah, going well, mate. Going well. Um, I suppose it, it, couple, three things that we probably want to talk about and just to update people with as far as the club is from a club perspective and what we're trying to do to get people on board. So are there things that we need to be aware of in terms of the social side of the club that are coming up? Uh, socially, well, we just had a really positive, uh, I guess, feedback and, and participation from a wide range of members. Um, through our Brownlow fundraiser, um, which is a really good way to kickstart the year. So with the momentum we had from that, we found that it was um, quite easy to engage with a lot of people. We're looking to implement something similar, uh, potentially via Zoom, uh, for our Calcutta night. We haven't had a Calcutta night for two or three years now, um, but we're thinking there's uh, definitely the potential there um, to jump on board with that. So that's something that will be posted in the next week or two, um, to get a bit of uh, a bit of interest and uh, participation from everyone, and then I, I suppose cricket returns hopefully mid-November. Um, we will just abide by all you know state and uh, and Metro Melbourne, I guess, guidelines um, as to whether we can be having things like barbecues and um, sort of you know post-match catch-ups um, potentially outside down at the club. So. We've got uh, got plenty of things in the works, plenty of ideas. Just just now depends on uh, the safest way we can carry those out. I suppose the biggest, I suppose the main thing is for everyone everyone to understand is that when we do return to playing cricket, that obviously things are not going to be the same as far as gatherings of players, and that we're not going to really have access to the club rooms as such. So. So in terms of purchasing of drinks and whatnot, we'll we'll work on we'll work on that and how we can do that and hopefully, um, hopefully what comes of this is, you know, some really nice sunny warm weather, where where in fact we like standing outside and can have a few drinks, a couple of softies, a couple of beers, um, and that yeah we can have that happening. And mate, what's going on with anything that we need to be aware of with regards to apparel? Um, I'll be doing another order, I guess, as we hopefully can start sort of seeing each, seeing each other in the first, um, I guess, few weeks, you know, around and, and playing. I've just received uh, part of an order from Icon, which includes shorts um, and sub-zero jackets. We've got some hoodies on the way. 
Um, so I'll be passing them on to people in the next week. Um, I'll send them a message and, and they, will, uh, they will have their stuff delivered. We're also, you know, really keen for, for people to, to look apart with the club. Uh, so we're highly encouraging all, any or all orders for shorts, uh, hoodies, sub-zero jackets, uh, social tops, anything like that. Uh, all of that can be arranged um, as the season progresses. So I'll, uh, I'll continue to keep people updated via Slack, uh, via the Facebook page, uh, Instagram page, and things like that, um, when potential orders can be placed um, and then when they're looking to be delivered. And uh, I suppose uh, probably the most important thing is, is that probably getting people onto Slack. So for those, for that, for, I mean, pretty much for those that are, that are listening to the podcast each week, which is which is just, I mean, the the numbers have gone through the roof, Daniel. As far as um, the audience for this show, it's um, I'm holding back I'm holding back sponsorship uh, contracts at the moment from from a series of big organisations that just want to get involved. But I'm just telling them, no, you just need to back off. This um, I can't. Um, is as far as getting onto Slack. So I think it's really important that we get that if you are on Slack and that you are bumping into people from the club that you know that get them on to get them onto Slack ASAP um, because certainly it's been a very powerful tool for the club as far as communication and getting information out, especially this year. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll definitely continue to drive that. Uh, trying to send as many emails and messages as possible to invite people to join, um, obviously using you know, their login and, and that way they can jump on and, and be aware of what's going on around the club. Um, I guess some of the conversations you and I have had, you know, we've sort of been able to implement channels such as our Saturday scorecard, um, which I think will be a really good one this season. We can keep up to date um, and see how everyone's going when we're, you know, spaced out around, uh, around the GDCA. Some of the other really good things, um, as well will be allowing us to keep, keep everyone up to date with COVID restrictions, uh, expectations, if we need to send out timetables for training or, you know, something potentially like a wet, you know, a wet night, we might not be able to train. Um, it's just giving us so much more opportunity to deliver information to everyone across the club, um, for those, especially for those who might not have Facebook. This is a much more professional um and forward way for us to go about it and it, it's funny actually that i noticed i noted the other night uh i don't know i can't remember what channel i was watching it on tv but um but in fact slack was slack was advertised on tv so um so it's certainly not slack is certainly not one of those um johnny come lately type um apps that that is just something that we've pulled out of nowhere. This is this is an app that that probably comes with a little bit of clout, a little bit of backing, and certainly um, and certainly provides. And it's it would seem that it's widely used in the business world and is very important for them. So we've jumped on board and and it's working well for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, in terms of a, a committee side, we've we've we've. In the past, been using emails, and it's quite can be quite difficult to you know maintain um, or I guess keep up to date with the chains of emails. So you'll see yourself on the committee one piece. It's been amazing for us to be pro productive, proactive, um, and really help us get the season rolling. 
as a committee. Um, so I'm sure, uh, for the as a, as a club on the club side of things, we're going to be uh, going to be moving forward in leaps and bounds um, if everyone can jump on board and use it as our number one mode of communication. I, I suppose the other point that we need to make here too is in terms of that I know that there was some. Um, uh, there was a bit put out there in in regards to player sponsorship, and obviously then that leads into providing for those sponsors. Certainly, certainly with the kind of access or type of exposure that we can give out to our members and out to the greater public, that that people that are out there that are listening in that are looking to um, you know at some kind of sponsorship opportunity. To to kind of expose themselves again out out into uh, the Sunbury area and and get some get some business going. That certainly it's a good opportunity for that as well because because just the um, the frequency of communication and uh, and actually getting onto the Slack side itself uh, can assist them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think yeah, you're spot on with everything you said there. Um, and that's been, you know, one of the main focuses of, you know, several committee members over the winter is what can we do as a club to support uh, businesses, you know, that want to look after our club as well. Given the current climate, we uh, we see it as a really good opportunity to be able to support a lot of local businesses uh, throughout the community. So definitely, mate, all of these sort of forms of communication, um, we're really trying to up our game. Um, and use use the expertise on our committee um, and on the coaching panel to really be able to make it, you know, quite the professional club uh, from this season and then and then those after that. And I will look. I'll just I'll go back a little step there. I'll clarify myself because I meant that uh, business gets the chance to a bit of exposure to the business, and for those small businesses in the community, I by no means was I asking. I did mention that. Uh, some small businesses out there might like to expose themselves. By no means would I like to have any businesses out in the community exposing themselves because that's just a whole new problem. So, um, so yes, just a little play on words there. Um, by all, but but certainly, look, it's it, it's an exciting time. I feel I'm probably one of those people um, that probably looking at the opportunity that that what has occurred as as provided for us and certainly. By no means do I forget about the fact that there's a lot of people out there that have that have really done it tough. And so I suppose from a cricket club's perspective, that's what we want to offer for those people is a place where um, we do a lot of the organising or all the organising and provide a, a platform for them to be able to get back to seeing others and, and, and probably just a bit more community spirit, which is certainly something we need at this point in time. Yeah, mate, you're spot on. That's definitely one of our pillars uh, moving forward. And we really, you're right, we really want to make it a place where people want to be down um, and we really look to, you know, look after each other and uh, you know, get that, uh, get the positive vibes up, especially after a tough few months for many people. And, and the last thing we'll talk about, mate, is something that you and I have discussed and that is... That is that connectedness to the to um, obviously you being an employee of the of Salesian College, that we are looking to really up the the connectedness between the cricket club and the school this year. 
So there's there's a few things. I'm not we're not going to talk about those now because they you know they're still planning to be done there. But certainly we want to build on that on that relationship with the school and how we can um, how we can you know look at getting more involved with the school. I mean we already do uh, a couple of things with them, namely the um, the harvest, the harvest festival, and last year obviously we did the cricket match for that, which was a huge success. And so we'd be looking to build on that and with some other things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess probably most people on the podcast um, would be aware of, of the community connection between many of the families at our club and and I guess the small netball basketball club um, within the school as well. And the college is really, you know, really excited um, and I guess proud of, of the direction we're going in, um, and really want to be be a part of and do everything they can to help us probably achieve those visions. So, yep. um, you know, the conversations that we've had with uh, with those staff at the school have been really positive, um, and I think you know you and I were, were quite excited about the potentials. So. I guess, yeah, like you said, there'll be more to come on that. We'll, uh, we'll provide details uh, as we as we move forward. And, mate, just before we go, be remiss of me not to ask this, but how's the batting going? Uh, not too bad. I actually broke my back today, so we'll uh, we'll look to buy a new stick and then hopefully uh, raise that several times this year. That would be, that'd be ideal. <laughs> it's never a it's, – it's always a bad day. I'll just say this: It's always a bad day when you break a bat, but it's never a bad day when you have to buy a new one. No, you're spot on, mate. So, or are you looking forward to Greg Chapel opening up? <laughs> That's all good, mate. Look, great to talk to you. We'll be in touch each week, and we'll have a chat about these. And look forward to the social uh, social functions coming up. And and fingers crossed, we're all at training in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, love it, mate. Great stuff with the podcast, and uh, looking forward to seeing everyone out there listening. Um, in the next few weeks. All good, mate. You look after yourself. We'll talk to you later. You too. Thanks, Ben. See you, mate. Time for some training tips and discussion about um, understanding of the game, a bit of game sense as well. So there's two points that I want to raise on the on the show today. The first thing is is the fairly quick one is just about uh, training and in terms of where we're at in the lead up to the season, potentially starting sooner rather than later. Hopefully, fingers crossed. So Julie noted that a lot of a lot of players at the moment have been doing quite a lot of long running, and I reckon that that's fantastic. Um, seeing everybody out there, um, just driving back into Sunbury this afternoon, noted that. Um, had to almost slow to about 30 k's because I, I passed, I reckon, passed somewhere in the vicinity of about 10, 12, 15 people running. Um, not not from our cricket club, but just people running. So it, it is encouraging the way that people are trying to keep healthy. Certainly from a cricket club perspective, know of a lot of people just from being on Strava that are doing a lot of long runs, and, and that's great. Um in terms of conditioning for cricket, if you're a bowler and you've been doing a lot of running, that's great. We're getting the miles in the legs. It's a little bit of impact training, meaning that you're getting the knees prepared for that constant impact. Um, 
it's really important to remember though as far as being a bowler you are an explosive athlete whether you are a medium pacer or a quick a little bit different if you're an off-spin bowler but then even or a leg spin bowler but even then there's there's still an amount of explosion that's occurring in terms of just your movements to the crease that these are things that are are going to use a lot more of uh, for those of you pe people out there fast twitch fibers now with that with that comes the risk obviously of soft tip soft tissue damage uh invariably if we're doing extended amounts of long running and are not conditioning those muscles for that um for that more explosive um exercise that that's where we can lead to some soft tissue injury so at this stage i'd be saying to a lot of our bowlers if you've been doing a lot of long runs I'd probably suggest that right now we start to probably bring it back and batsmen as well, both. I mean, definitely. I mean, batsmen, especially if you're running, we're going to be having to run a lot of quick singles this year, a lot of reaching um, for the crease, those types of things. So for both, consider that you want to probably bring it back and start to do a bit more explosive, longer rest, speed work, where we're starting to really get some of those fast twitch fibers going um, in the legs because uh, I'd hate for us to have the situation where we're still doing a lot of long runs in the lead up to the season without that kind of conditioning of the speed work and thus resulting in some groin, quad, hamstring and calf injuries. That's just just a small tip. Certainly, certainly don't stop all of the exercise, but certainly consider where you're at and that we're moving into probably the last four weeks before we start playing, that we start thinking about those types of parts of our conditioning. Time for insights of the coach. This week, I want to talk about bowling at the death. Really important. There's a few things that we need to understand about this. We're going to be playing a lot of one-day cricket this year, all one-day cricket this year. And it's so important that as a bowler, you have a really good understanding of, one, where do I want to bowl? How do I want to bowl? And what is the outcome that I'm prepared for? First things first, we need to be thinking about making sure we know what is the score. If the, if the runs required are over six runs and over, then we know that we can allow for the batsman to score a single. We know that we must be bowling towards or where our field is set. If the field is set long and straight, then we need to bowl full and straight and at the stumps. If we have a deep cover and sweeper on the offside, we need to be bowling outside off stump. We need to be making sure that we're full and outside off stump. We need to be thinking about where is the batsman coming to us in attempt to actually hit the ball. Some batsmen will actually come out of their crease and try and come to you. Where can I put the ball that is going to make it the most difficult for that batsman to hit me? Batsman comes out of their crease to me. Generally speaking, I'm looking to bowl a bit shorter and try and get the ball up in and around their hips, if not around their chest area can be very hard to hit the ball in that situation. Lastly, we've just got to make sure that we're thinking about where we want to bowl the ball and that we're keeping to a plan. The ability of a bowler to be able to adapt at the crease when they see what that batsman's about to do 
is so, so important. Usually, the bowler that just comes in and has some preconceived idea of where they're going to bowl the ball usually is the bowler that is going to get hit. It's really important that you take your time. Don't be in a mad rush. If you get hit for a four, think about where you were hit. Think about how you were hit. Think about just changing the rhythm of the batsman. Batsmen tend to hit the ball a lot more and easily with more flow if you bowl the ball, get hit, and then you're back at your crease straight away. So it's really, really important. You've got to break that rhythm up, slow everything down. If you get hit for a couple of boundaries, talk to your captain, have a chat, slow the game down. It's so important about that. You don't want that batsman to have that momentum. You don't want them to feel as though they're on top. And the last thing is your emotions. Get hit for four. You've almost got to act like you've expected it. It's really, really important. Don't crack it. Don't yell and scream. Don't swear. Turn around. Go back. Grab your captain. Have a chat to them. Have a chat to the fielder that's at mid-on, mid-off. Think through what's just occurred. Think about what you can do next. Think about where you can put the ball. And think about what is the best scenario that can occur. What is the worst thing that can happen? Let's think. Low risk, high return. That means batsman scores a one or a two. That's a win. Okay. Too many times I've seen too many bowlers that try to bowl at the death where they think, I'm going to try and bowl the perfect ball. If you try and bowl the perfect ball, maybe the wicket ball, very, very, uh, uh, too many times I'm seeing bowlers do get hit. Think about where you can put it. Develop your stock ball, okay? And that's what we do at training. Just a few tips on at the death bowling that certainly we'll talk a lot more about this season. Time for a couple of pizzas, famous dad jokes, and more so some observations. So that I wanted to just um, uh, so never discuss, or in fact, never discuss infinity with a mathematician. They can go on about it forever. Why don't some couples go to the gym? Because some relationships just don't work out. And the other thing is, I'm, I think this is important. Don't trust people that do acupuncture. They're backstabbers. It's you about the persistent banker who wouldn't stop hitting, hitting on people, so somebody asked him to stop. They actually asked him to leave him, leave them alone. There's a got back into some reading so the other day I ordered a book of puns last week but I didn't get it new segment that we've got instead of the quiz for which I will go through the answers from last week. We had uh, 25 responses come back to me last week in regards to the quiz. Um, 
No, we didn't. And two responses come back to me, and both of them were wrong. The answer that was given to me was that it was a perfume bottle. The said the first two answers were correct. The third answer was said to me that it was a perfume bottle. In fact, it wasn't. That wasn't the question I was asking. I was asking what was it made from, and it was <clears throat> a terracotta, a terracotta bottle. That was the answer. Uh, so this week we're moving to riddles. So I thought I'd throw this riddle out there, and again, um, give me your responses on Slack uh, by going to the Time for Cricket channel. And here is our riddle for this week. I speak without a mouth and hear without ears. I have no body, but I come alive with wind. What am I? A little bit of thought for you there. Something to take you through for the rest of the week and keep the mind going. That brings a close to the show uh, for this week. We thank you again for listening. We trust that everyone is safe and well, and we make sure that um, that we're doing all the right things in the lead up to the seasons of cricket, hopefully starting. All the best to the Tigers this week. Trust that you can do me well and get the win uh, and get us that other premiership that we so rightly deserve and, and make sure that, you know, in line with that, let's get back to playing some cricket. Thanks again. Talk to you later. Thank you.